The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this morning we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, which is a feast day very close to my own heart. Twelve years ago, it was on this feast day that I gave my first Sunday homily here at Cathedral as a deacon. And on this Trinity Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to reflect on the image of God and what it means that we're created in the image of God. And in our time, this theological truth is most important as we sort of navigate the faith in our own culture. Very recently, there are many, many cultural sort of attacks against the image of God. Both about a year ago when the Supreme Court decided to recognize marriage between two people of the same sex. And more recently, with the very aggressive, aggressive, ideology about recognizing persons who wish to express the opposite gender. The way that we interact with those who have gender dysphoria. And for us as Catholic Christians, it is the image of God that lies at the root of our concerns, but also at the root of our evangelical spirit, at the root of the truth we wish to proclaim. 
Our belief that God is one God in three persons is what makes us different from the rest of the world, from every other world religion. The Jews believe that God is one God in one person. And their faith practice involves very much following the law. God is one God, one person. We are those who need to submit to him by following the law. Muslims believe that God is one God and one person who expresses himself most especially as a master. And human beings are slaves to that one person and also must follow the law. Fundamentalist Muslims believe that the religious law should also be the political law. And then there are Christians who profess that God is one God in three persons, who have lived in a communion of love from all eternity. And they have invited us into that communion of love as adopted sons and daughters, not as servants, not as slaves, but as children. It's entirely different. And Pope Benedict really reflected on this idea of being created in the image of the Trinity and what that means about us as human beings. He said, the real God is by his very nature entirely being for, being from, and being with. So when we look at the Trinity, the distinction between the persons is about their relationship. The Father is a being for the Son, which means everything about the Father is ordered towards the Son. The Father pours himself out to the Son. The Father is pure gift. The Father is pure sacrifice. It's the kind of love that says, I want the good for you. The Son, for his part, is very different from the Father in the way he relates. The Son simply receives that gift from the Father. He's a being from the Father. Everything he has is from the Father. And his way of expressing love is to trust and entrust himself to the Father, to place his life in the Father's hands. Into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will be done but yours. In today's gospel, he says, everything that the Father has is mine, which expresses that idea that the Father is giving and the Son is receiving. And the Holy Spirit is a being with the Father and the Son. He's the bond of love between them. And so going on, Pope Benedict says, man for his part is God's image, 
precisely insofar as the from, with, and for constitute the fundamental anthropological pattern. What does that mean? That the image of God in us is the image of all three persons and that we're created for love. We're created for relationship, but there's a pattern to that relationship in our lives. We first learn to love and experience love as a being from, as a son or a daughter who's born into a world. And the way we relate is to trust and entrust ourselves to our parents within the family. We learn that people are trustworthy and we place our lives in their hands. As we grow and mature, we enter into relationships of being with others in the friendships that we develop. It's more of a complementary relationship, a mutual giving and receiving. That way of love is perfected in marriage in which two people promise to be trustworthy and to trust and entrust themselves to one another. And when that happens in the most complete and profound way, a third person comes forth from their union. And then we begin to love as parents, as mothers and fathers, who are being for their children. Parenthood is about sacrificing for the sake of children. It most profoundly images the love of the father for the son. And so through the course of our lives, all three ways of loving are present in each person who's created in the image of God. I cannot be a father unless I know who I am as a son. My vocation as a priest is about receiving from the Lord and passing it on to the people of God. I have to be a son in order to be a father. Our most profound identity is to be a son or a daughter. If we ask somebody, who are you? The most profound answer would be to explain where we come from. We use our last names as a way of recognizing where we come from. As children, we learn to identify by looking around our environment for people that look the same as we do. I remember being young and my sister was about two or three years old and she looks at me and she says, I'm like you because we both have blue eyes. So she was learning who she was. She's looking around and she looks in the mirror and she sees she has blue eyes and then she was looking for other people with blue eyes to feel like she fits in or to feel like she belongs. Being a child is about feeling like we belong somewhere. In Jesus, his identity is son of God. That's his identity. Everything else flows from his identity. 
He cannot be Savior of the world unless he's the Son of God. When he's crucified and his side is pierced and blood and water flow out, the soldier says, truly this was the Son of God. St. Paul says we have been made children by adoption over and over and over again. That is the core of our identity. So Pope Benedict says, man for his part is God's image precisely insofar as the from, with, and for constitute the fundamental anthropological pattern. Whenever he attempts to free himself from this pattern, he is not on his way to divinity but to dehumanization, to the destruction of being itself through the destruction of the truth. What does it mean to free ourselves from that pattern? It means that we place our identity not in being from, not in being a child, but we place our identity in being with or being for. Many of us struggle with that, like we find our identity in being for. I feel like I have value because I volunteer a lot, or I feel like I have value because of all the things I do, or I feel like I have value because of what I've accomplished. But that is a break from the anthropological pattern. It's placing more importance on being for than being from. The recognition of marriage between two people of the same sex is a manifestation of placing identity as being with. When people identify with their sexual orientation, they're saying being with is the most important thing. What I'm attracted to. What I'm physically attracted to. And our culture tends to find the seed of identity in that, in that being with relationship. I only feel like I have value if I have a girlfriend, or I only feel like I have value if I have a boyfriend. I am what I'm attracted to. And there seems to be a rejection of identifying as a child. Those who experience gender dysphoria, there's also something of a rejection of where I'm from. Pope Francis articulates it as a rejection of the body that God has given to us. When secular people talk about this issue, they say that it's a feeling about who they are. but we don't have feelings in a vacuum. We have to have a feeling about something. And so if it's a feeling, it has to be a feeling about one's own body. God has given me a male body, yet I feel like I don't like it very much. I want to reject it. I wish I had a female body. And it's a break from the anthropological pattern. There's a rejection of where I'm from, or a rejection of parenthood. It's also a distortion of who we believe we are fundamentally as human beings. 
As human beings, we exist sort of in the cross between creatures and the creator. We have the spark of the image of God in us. And we believe that we are a body-soul composite and that God created us body and soul together. That our body expresses who we are. The body expresses the person. The affirmation of gender dysphoria in our culture, what is it doing? It's saying that there's a total split between the body and the person. That there's a split between body and soul. That the body and soul can be out of sync. Which is a rejection of or negation of the image of God in us. That's who we believe we are as Catholic Christians, created in the image of a God who is love. To be a body-soul composite, created for relationship. That we come to discover who we are in relationship. The complementarity of men and women help us to grow in our own identity. It's the very difference between men and women that help men to realize what it means to be a man, what makes me different, and helps women to realize what it means to be a woman, what makes her different. And it's in our difference that we discover love as a gift of ourselves to another. as an act of trusting and and trusting, as a relationship in which we discover who we are. There are many people in our culture who are confused about who they are. Just ask any 12-year-old. It's part of being 12. And I would never deny the fact that people have that experience. Yet that experience of confusion or that tension is an invitation to grow in our own identity, to discover ourselves as a beloved son or a beloved daughter. I can't speak to the experience of many people, only the few that I've spoken to, but, you know, I remember in my own life when I was in kindergarten, and uh, it was time for recess. And so we went to play, and as soon as we were allowed to go play, I got up and I ran towards, like, the kitchen set. And I found myself playing house with a bunch of girls. And I remember looking across the room and seeing that all the boys seemed to be like pushing trucks around on the floor. And I remember thinking to myself, why am I hanging out with all the girls? But I like it here. It feels safer here than over there. And it did cause a lot of confusion in me or a lot of tension in me. And I started to realize that I felt like I fit in more with the girls than with the boys. 
And that was something that I lived with for a very long time. And I just really was more comfortable having friends that were girls than friends that were boys. It was part of my life. Now why, when I reflect back, was that the case? In my own life, in my own experience, I was born, my mom died, and I lived with a family that had four daughters. And then when I was about three, my dad remarried, I moved back in with my parents. And we started a new life together, but I kind of lost that relationship with those women. And so there was something in me that was trying to reconnect with this loss. Later on in my life, when I went to military academy, when I was in the military, I had an experience of being accepted by a group of men that I admired. And I grew into my confidence in my masculine identity. So when people say that gender is fluid, that it kind of moves, that's true because we grow in our identity. But there's an opportunity to grow in our identity. If we're really concerned about the good of every human person, when issues like this come up about kids in schools or which bathroom to use, things like that, we should be most concerned about what's going on in the interior life of this person. Are there wounds that need to be healed in them? Where are these feelings coming from? Is there some rupture in their identity as a son or a daughter that can possibly be healed? Our worry about these changes in law really should be that there's a bunch of people with wounds walking around and nobody's offering them help. They're just sort of affirming that it's normal to feel the way they feel instead of questioning and trying to discover who they really are, what wounds might need to be healed. It would be like going to the doctor's office with some symptoms and the doctor doesn't ask you any questions. He just says, well, that's normal for you, which is not love. It's not a concern for the interior life of the person in front of us. There's no desire to heal. It's not a reflection of the communion and love that we're created to be. And so today on this Feast of the Holy Trinity, let us pray for a deeper experience and expression of the image of God in our own lives. That each of us will grow in our own identity as a beloved son, beloved daughter of the Father. That marriages will be strengthened in the way that they live out that interdependent love of a husband and a wife. And that parents will be given the courage to do whatever it takes to sacrifice for their children to be that image of God's love and mercy in the lives of their children. 
The world needs the church to be a light of truth and love and mercy, especially in this time of uncertainty and confusion. Let us pray that our Lord continue to send his Holy Spirit upon us to heal us, that we might bring that healing to everyone we encounter.